Michael O'Reilly, and you're listening to Beyond Notes from L Live Productions, a podcast for musicians, people that hire musicians, and music lovers everywhere. We'll peel back the layers of the music industry and find out what lies beyond the notes. Right, it's Friday night, ladies and gentlemen. This is Live with L Live. Welcome to Beyond Notes. I'm your host, Michael O'Reilly. And tonight, uh, I have a very special guest. I'm so uh, pleased to have him come on the show. Uh, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, he was a drummer. He was a lead singer, a businessman. And he is currently the CEO of L Live Productions. Will you please welcome Mr. George El Shakia to the show? George. Thank you, sir. Thank you for inviting me, Mr. O'Reilly. Great to see you, man. Thank you. I'm excited, actually. I'm excited. I'm very So, excited. yeah. You like the hat? I love the hat, man. Yes, the hat is very... <laughs> I love the hey. hat. And we're celebrating our 12th... We just finished our, what, our 12th, 12th year, our 12th anniversary. There it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. 12. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful, yes. I'm, I'm done with the plug. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows who we are. Uh, no, thank you for coming on. It's great to have you on. So much to talk about. Thank you very much. Our topic tonight is uh, Gig for Life. And uh, there's a lot to get into. Uh, but before we do that, George, uh, yeah, we've known each other a long time. I, I think some of our viewers don't, don't really know you as well, uh, at least your story and your background. So I always like to start the show off. If, if you can kind of give us a, a lot there to cover, maybe we can condense it. And uh, if you can tell us about... Uh, where you started off and how we got here. Where, where would you like me to start, Mikey? Because it's a long journey. Well, lead me. Okay. Well, you're, you're born in Lebanon and I know you came to Canada when you were, uh, 14, uh, 14 years old. Right. So yes, I was, I was born in Lebanon and, um, I grew up in Lebanon. And, um, of course the war started in 1975 in April. <clears throat> and um, I was nine years and a half, and um, yeah, so our family was it was pretty devastating. And um, but I was nine and a half years old, so it was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> I rem I remember my brother used to serve in the army in Lebanon at that time. They, they had the draft, right? So you every every young man had to go to the draft. But my brother had finished his draft, and I remember her coming. I remember him coming in and putting his army uniform on, you know? And, and my mom is freaking out. I said, why are you putting army uniform on? He says, well, the war just started. So oh. my mom, of course, she, uh, she, she, she was devastated. And then he said, anyway, mom, the shops are closed, all, all schools are, are closed. So I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> No school? You're nine years old. No school? I'm nine and a half years old, man. So that was, uh, that, was that. And then um, my, but there was a lot of, that's, that's really a chapter. There was a lot of, a lot of death, a lot of, a lot of terrible, oh. terrible, terrible things. Uh, no one escaped it. It's impossible to be Lebanese and not know somebody that died or many, many people that died. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> so I'm not going to go through all of that. But the, the, the bottom line is that my brother had to leave the country. And uh, Nick went to, my cousin first went to Canada, and then Nick went to Canada. And uh, 
and then he invited us. So that was a big thing for us. I always wanted to go to Canada, but to, to connect the dots, yes. that's, I started loving music in Canada, just to leave the war for a minute. Okay. Uh, my brother Nick uh, had a guitar, um, they had cassettes, they existed in those days. And, uh, you know, they had Elton John and all this music. Nick liked, uh, liked I guess, funk, which I didn't even know what that was. And he had a fro, uh, being <laughs> Lebanese. And um, so my love of music started there. And of course, then Saturday Night Fever came out, right? And John Travolta was like the biggest thing in the world. And all I wanted to be was John Travolta. I can't wait to meet him one day. I mean, I was obsessed, man. I wanted to dance. I wanted the music. So my my zone was there, and I saw. What about that? Yeah. So to get through that that thing, um, we went to have the interview, which I'll never forget, in the Canadian embassy, and we met with the ambassador. And you know, I'm a kid, man. I'm well, not that small. I was 14 years old, you know. Okay. And uh, we got accepted, and uh, October 1979, we arrived in, uh, in Canada. But from nine and a half to 14, there was really no school. It comes on and off, and it was just a whole mess, man. Right. <clears throat> so there was really no real schooling for those years. And if there was, we weren't paying any attention whatsoever. Okay. So now we're now we're in Canada. So you find yourself in Ottawa, and from what I remember, you don't speak English and you don't speak French. Those are the two right. the two official languages of of Canada. Yeah, I didn't speak any language, but my cousin used to be a traveler. My cousin Michel, he passed away. May he rest in peace. I remember telling him, "said Look, I want to meet Canadian girls in Lebanon." <laughs> right? He just came back. He just came back from Canada. I said, "Hey, man." I want to I wanna meet some Canadian girls. What, what do I have to do? He said, well, George, it doesn't matter how much, uh, you know, whatever it is you want to do, you got to speak English, man. Like, English. English. Okay, now, now I know what I have to do. So it's that was really, now. honestly, that was my motivation. So we arrived mm -hmm. in Canada and I went to English second language. That was a great great thing because a life reduction was like exactly like my classes back then so when you go mm -hmm. to english second language people from every country is there so mm -hmm. that was the english part right right and then and, and then from there you're uh i think you got into business very young even at your time <coughs> when you got to canada uh from what i remember right uh you can fill fill in that part of it i think you were uh well well you know like being being in um being, uh, um, let me just, uh, there's actually people calling me. Let me just flip the phone. <laughs> um, call in the middle of the show. They can actually see me on and they're calling. So, um, so where were we? Um, well, uh, I, remember, I remember. Yeah, so we arrived in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. And we are, we are immigrants. Basically, you know how it is. We all live in the same house. My brother had a pizzeria. All of us are walking there. My mom, my dad, my brothers, my sisters, my sisters-in-laws, you know, because we're just, we're just trying to do a life, to make a life for ourselves. And I remember when we arrived, man, this is extremely amazing. Because in Lebanon, we were like everybody else, right? Like we were what you would call low income, very low income okay. in, uh, nowadays. But I remember arriving at the door and the, the house was what now is called low income home, right? But for me, I was like, wow. And there was a bicycle outside. And I opened the fridge 
and there's a seven up and a crush, a few of them. I look at my brother Joseph and said, we're rich, <laughs> you know? Because in Lebanon was the necessities, you know? Because who was orange, you know, you, just, you gotta yeah. get food, vegetables, war, you know? So mm. it was an incredible experience, but wow. I was very wow. disappointed because here I am coming to be John Travolta and Ottawa didn't have, Ottawa, Canada, didn't have those tall buildings. I'm told my brother, yeah, where are right, the tall buildings, right. man? Yeah, I want, Ottawa, yeah. You know, for those I want to be John know, Travolta and this doesn't look like the, um, the movie. Not, What's happening? That's not New York City, right? Yeah, Ottawa, for you, for you guys who don't know, is, is Canada's capital and it's, uh, right, George, it's just a lot of uh, bureaucrats, government offices, and parliament. That's yeah, a beautiful city. Yeah. You yeah. know, like a great place uh, to live. Yeah. No, but it's not York. like a metropolitan city like Toronto, Montreal, New York, etc. Mm -hmm. But right. uh, so we all started working in the business. I'm 14 years old. I start helping the family. I go to school. I get on come back because first supper and pizza is about 4 p.m. So I have to make it 4.30. So I was learning at 14. I would know how to make the pizza, how to cut the dough, how to do all of that stuff. And that's when my mind started changing. I remember lying down in bed and dreaming how to make the perfect crust. So I would come home next day and I'm making the first crust. This is, I wasn't good at anything in Lebanon. I just wanted to chase girls, honestly. That's all I wanted to do. <laughs> Listen music, chase girls. That was, I mean, I'm 15 years old. What am I going to do, man? All the musicians <clears> you know. are listening. So I started making the crust and I achieved that. It seems like a very small thing, but my brother Nick took a look at it and he's been making these pizzas forever and he called his friend. He said, look at George's, look at the crust on the pizza. And I really wanted to make a beautiful crust. And that's when a lot of my thinking started developing and I got, you know, he gave me some credit. Mm -hmm. So I felt really good at it. So the business sense is I started that young. So my brother was, I was rounded all the time. But when I, when I was 17 years old, my sister and my brother-in-law came to Lebanon from Canada and they came with their three kids and they didn't speak English or French. I, I was studying a little bit of French in Lebanon at the early age, but I spoke very, very little. And they said, look, just help. I was working as a waiter and said, look, just help us out for a year. And, um, and you know, we'll, we'll, then you just leave. So I'm 17 years old, man. I was working on a fun Mexican restaurant, having a great time. So my brother Joseph said, go do it. My brother Nick put the money up. I don't have any money. I'm 17, <laughs> you know? And honestly, I bought the business. I was 17 years old by default, not because I was smarter than the next guy. Just, I spoke French and English. And my brother-in-law and sister were my we were partners. So I did all the speaking. They did a lot of the hard work as well. And... Um, so I found myself running a business at 17 and at 18, I wasn't even old enough to sign all the papers on my 18th birthday. I went to the bank and signed the paper. Next thing you know, I was there for five years, but it gave me a lot of that because you have to learn or you're gonna- some business you know. experience, right? Some experience in how to run a business and how to, there's, there's a, a, a P and L, there's money coming in, there's money, you gotta pay your staff and you have to, uh, Make sure yeah, and I grew up, I mean, all my brothers are entrepreneurs. A lot right. of my cousins are entrepreneurs. And at 18, exactly, exactly a year later, I think we paid the pizzeria off. And it was a small pizzeria, nothing major, but it had an apartment on top, right? Mm -hmm. And we were renting the apartment and the pizzeria from the gentleman who sold it to us. 
So at 18, we said, let's just buy it. So we bought that building. So I bought the building at 18 with my brother. And actually, that's what my pay paid for my school in Montreal because I rented it out. And right. by the time I was in Montreal, that, so the business was already in my head. Kind of uh, developing at a very young age, right, right. And then we, <laughs> yeah, get, and then we get from, uh, from Ottawa to, uh, well, then into the, uh, from the business thing, then into the music, of course, because you came to Montreal uh, to study music, correct? Right. So my brother had this really cool guy, Richard Poitras. I'll give him a shout out. Long hair, good looking guy, man. I come to Canada. I had tons of friends in Lebanon. Come to Canada, I didn't know anybody. So I was hanging on to, to this guy. And he plays the drums. So I go to Galit Collegiate. We're try I'm trying to learn English now. I said, I want to play an instrument. I want to play guitar because you're more seen in guitar than drums. And I want to be seen because <laughs> I want to be John Travolta, man. Right, man. <laughs> I gotta connect the dots. Absolutely, so, absolutely. I said, Richard, I went to school. They said, we don't have guitar lessons, but we have drums. So I go to him and I say, they're not teaching guitar. I said, take drums, go ahead, take drums. <laughs> so I take drums, my brother Tony, God bless his heart. Had, I, I could find a drum set for $100, he bought it for me. And all hell broke loose. So I put the drum set in the small house and <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing, of course. Mm -hmm. Everyone said, Oh, don't worry about it. He's going to quit in two weeks. And the more they said that, I'm like, no, I'm not. And here's a great story for you. A drug dealer visits us from California. I promise you I didn't know he was a drug dealer, but I later found out. <laughs> and he said, go take lessons. I'm like, you can't take lessons on drums. How do you take lessons on drums? There are no notes for drums, you know? So I'm driving, I'm in the car with somebody, and I hear an announcement. Sam's ABC giving drum lessons. So anyway, long story short, I called him. He said, I'll pay your lesson. Go take lesson. He was actually a very, very nice person. Okay. And um, so anyway, I found it. Of course, I didn't, didn't take his money, but I called and I met Lorne Kelly. He was a wonderful guy. And then he was going to go on tour. He said, let me give you the name of my teacher, Chuck Burroughs, who passed away. I just did a blog about him. It was an right. incredible a big, Incredible, a big influence, influence, right? a huge influence on my life. I mean, I, I attribute 70% of my life productions to his philosophy. And right. then he started teaching me how to play the drums. And he's, you know, you know, it's like, it's like Elvis Presley. It's like um, the Beatles. I'm like, so what do you mean? I, I don't know who Elvis Presley is. It's about the Beatles. And I don't know the Beatles. And he's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> how, <laughs> how am I going to teach this kid? But anyway, we were so nice. We would, no matter what we were learning, he would take the cassettes. And it's, if you're working on a bossa, he would, he would give me all the bossa. He would just give me cassettes of bossa nova. And then he introduced me to um, Ike and Tina Turner. And he put that on. I'm like, that's it. That's the music. That's the one I've been looking for. Because I didn't yes. know what it was called, man. Yeah, yeah. And I was hooked. And he, would, he, just, he taught me the history of drums, like from Baby Dots to Buddy Rich to Gene Krupa, Max mm -hmm. Roach. I mean, right. he just... He just was brainwashing me, man. And he, he loved Big Ben and Dizzy Gillespie and Count Basie. I mean, what? wow, amazing. Yes. And a lot of the philosophies, I, I, if you want to call it, that I do now came from him. But at the time, it was just theory. Like, you just hear things, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I became a musician, then I started applying all of that. Then it all became very, very real. But that was... 
Chuck had and God bless his heart. Yeah, Isn't there? I don't I, think about I, it. I read your blog and I know you were saying how important a mentor is in a young musician's life and in young anyone's life, whether you're a musician or not. Someone that can really put you on the right path can uh, make make such a huge oh, impact absolutely. on your life. Right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so, so that was that that what started me. He prepared me. He kept telling me you should go to university. Okay, I was as my you next know? question. How did you get to uh, to Montreal? Because I'm I'm assuming where you were in Ottawa, the, there wasn't really a major university. So Montreal, we have uh, McGill, well, there's Concordia, Concordia. there's there's Ottawa yeah. University, but the music program was small. And where do you gig in Ottawa, man? It's like there's yes. no place to gig. Montreal was the art city. I wanted to yeah. go to Montreal. I was dying to go to Montreal, but I had this business. Now I have to get out of the business. That was extremely difficult for me to leave my brother and sister alone and go. So it was a very, very difficult decision for me. Mm -hmm. But Chuck kept saying, look, I can teach you the notes, man. I can teach you the music, but I can't give you the environment. You have yeah. to leave. You have to go in the environment where you're surrounded by musicians. Exactly. And he kept telling me that, and he, he knew the audition program, because this guy's put so many drummers through the best schools in the world. Drummers Collective, Berkeley, you know, Concordia, Humber College in Toronto. So he said, mm -hmm. you have to know these things. So I was like, Bruh. so, and that was, then I went to an audition where you auditioned, Mikey. That's right. And, you know, right. and drums is very unique. They don't have enough places for drums, drummers to practice. That's right. So they only accepted four drummers a year. And there's like 40 drummers sitting there. And I'm like, oh my God, I was so nervous. But anyway, it was also one of an amazing moment when I got the letter and said I got accepted. So that was- Yes, I remember the same feeling. I felt the same way, George, like all the guitar players are, are they're way more advanced than I am. And I, when I got the letter, I was, uh, yeah, I remember being like almost shocked. Like, wow, they, they've accepted me. Oh. And that, that's where you and I first met. We, we met in a, in a guitar ensemble in Concordia University, taught by Gary Schwartz. No, no, it wasn't Gary Schwartz, man. It was yeah. uh, the, the history yes. teacher. Well, uh, oh, uh, Andrew Holmesy. Andrew Holmesy, man. Well, no, but yes, okay. But there was a I guitar ensemble. I wasn't with Gary ensemble. Schwartz. Yeah, that okay. was the year after. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you played. I'm mixing that up then. Okay. Oh, I so remember we, Andrew Holmesy. Here I yes. am stuck with 11 guitarists. That's, that's, like, that's, that's, like, like, that's like going to the dentist all day long, man. So let me just that explain to, to, our, to our viewers, George. Yeah, ensembles in, in a university, you know, it's a rhythm section. There's a, there's a piano player and there's horns and there's a bass player and a drummer and there's a guitar player. And because there was so many guitar players auditioning, there wasn't enough room. So um, they made an ensemble just for the guitar player. So you've got 10 guitar players and we'd all play different parts. I remember it was well, well put together, well organized. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was. And when I did it with but Gary. But there there's no fun. different timber. You got stuck with that yeah. guitar yeah. sound, you know. It's yeah, like, and, and, not all, not, and not everyone is as good, you know, at certain levels. So it's, it was, yeah, of course. And but for that was a drummer, man, that hour and a half was really was like being at the dentist because you don't play it. You're just yeah. sitting there for the guitarists to get their parts. So by the time you play a groove, it's like, yeah. oh my goodness, it felt like yeah. a year. But it was a great experience, really. Yeah, no great experience. And we got, and we met each other. So well, we met each other, and then when, when class when class would end, we would just kind of we jam a little bit, and that's how that started. I'll never forget it. When um, you proposed to meet with, uh, you found a bass player, I think, in school. Gerard. We played his bass way up here, man. <laughs> And you found a keyboard player in school. 
Yes, Sage. May he rest Sage. in peace too. Yes. Roger and Sages. Roger Sages. And we, our first band was that uh, we put together was uh, named... According was to Roger. <laughs> According to Roger. Yes, yes. Uh, I remember outside being at a Concordia outside in the summer and trying to figure out a name for the band. And he said it as a joke. Hey, how about according to Roger? Because Roger Rabbit just came out, the movie, mm. you know, with the cartoon. And, mm. and his name was Roger. And that's when, he, that's when we changed his name from Roger to Sage that day. Because yeah. his last name is Sages. So let's call it according to Roger. I mean, who would do that? But we did. And uh, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. So we called it according to Roger, and uh, we changed his name. And from that day on, for a long time, people started calling me Roger because I was leading the band. That's right. <laughs> you were Roger. Yes, Roger. Right. <laughs> so I remember that, and I remember, um, well, starting out in Montreal like that and starting to do gigs, playing in, in clubs. And this is way before uh, L Live and, and Asia and everything, right? So. Oh wow! This is this is nineteen eighty-seven, yeah. early nineteen. These are the eight. Very eight, early nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah, eighty-seven, <clears throat> and we, we did that for um, off and on for a good uh, 10, 10 years, I think, together. Ten years, man. Yeah. yeah. We left in ninety-seven, almost the same, almost exactly ten years. Yeah, yeah. And, and we we, uh, got, we took off very fast. Very fast. I remember being in school and not wanting to join a band because I really wanted to just get my degree. And I remember you being able to convince me once you <laughs> once you had a gig that paid. And I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, within uh, a couple of weeks we were just we were just booked. We were we were yeah. So booked. I arrived in October in Montreal, yeah. and I'm going to university to be in bands. So. What's the shortest way there? Just start with a band. I, I wasn't really thinking in a systemic way, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought it would be super exciting. I'm here. I just sold my business. Let's go. So I remember in February, actually, I had the agenda. It was 28 days and we were booked 26 days. Yes. I mean, bunch of kids with nobody, nobody has heard of, man. We yeah. had Kurt on bass, Janice, God bless her heart, sings like... Yes amazing yes. you know and um, we we just really literally we just took every we, we were almost booked every all the time and i but i do remember we we, we just took the gigs i remember one thing george i do remember uh, another drummer at school who wouldn't take gigs for we might have got paid 50 bucks or something i don't remember 40 or 50 dollars and i remember there was a drummer in school that used to practice in the modules i forget his name it doesn't, it's not important, but I remember him saying, I, I, I'm not taking gigs that, 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 uh, that pay so, so little. And, um, yeah, my goodness, well, we would yeah, have never, go ahead, please. yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know, we would have never, ever, um, been able to yeah, take that. That's a, that's a misconception, man. I, I really feel, I wish I could just talk to young people because they read all these Facebook things and they just repeat them. It's like, Hey man, I ain't going to work for nothing. I, mean, I understand that, but it also depends on where you are in your career. We are kids. We are students. So 10 bucks, great. Okay, we'll have a couple of beers and I'm playing with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, even today, if my son wanted to join a company as an intern, and I'll pay them. Take him in. Take mm-hmm. him in. Let him get the experience. So it's not across the board thing. Like, if you don't pay me this much, I won't play. You know, if you're an experienced musician and you 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 know, you deserve that kind of money. I get it. You have to feed your family. But at the same time, 
Even that, nobody cares if you have to feed your family. Like from an employer point of view, he doesn't care about that, man, because he has to feed his family. The, right. What really they care about is that, look, you go into a bar that has 40 seats. Mazbar, okay, work in Mazbar. You worked in Mazbar. Right? <laughs> Roslyn is there. It's, it's really like kind of a really kind of a dump neighborhood. It was a dump. Let's place. just say it. It was a, it was yeah, a bit it of was a dump. dump. She but was, she was lovely. Her was father fantastic. was lovely. But the customers were wonderful, man. Yeah. But, you know, smoke everywhere in those days. Everybody smoked. Oh, my goodness. And so she's got these four seat, 40 seats, right? She's got this four to five piece band. Right? Just do the numbers in your head. Every one of them is going to have two beers. That's about $8. And that's how I was thinking in those days, mm-hmm. you know. And she's got to pay each one of us, let's say, 60 bucks. Let's say 100 bucks. That's 500 bucks. There's no way. There is no way she can pay us. Like mm-hmm. the math doesn't add up. So for me yeah. to go and say, hey, listen, you got to pay me money because I'm a musician and this is my art and you owe me. She doesn't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. The numbers don't add up. Now, let's assume you go in there and there's an XO bottle over here and there's a champagne bottle over there. There's 400 people over there and the place is slamming and most of them want to see you like we used to do at Bur- Bourbon Street. Yes. Then you name your price. But basically, you can't just walk into a place and say, I just graduated from university. My parents paid quarter of a million dollars to put me here. You have to pay me $100,000 a year. Well, the employer's going to look at you and say, screw you, get the hell out of my office. Yeah, of course. Right? Of course, yeah. They're not just going to pay you that. And as a musician, when you're starting out, you have to start out. And please, guys, please go out there and play, 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 play. Nothing beats playing. And if it plays 20 bucks and you're a kid, what else are you going to do? Just yeah. well, take we, it. And then it'll become 30 bucks. And it'll become 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's that's how I did it. That's how we did it. Well, that's how we did it. Yeah, we just... Hey, we just, cheers, man. Cheers. You have a drink. I got, oh, the, I got the Chris Conway glass over here. Thank you, Chris. Cheers, okay. bro. Actually, I think I've got cheers some shout-outs. Our, our Let me do some quick shout-outs, George. Uh, we got All Emily. Right. Emily Marie is here. Emily, lovely singer to work with me here. Lovely Emily yeah. from uh, England. Hi, Emily. Uh, our main man, Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, I sent you a tabernacle video. I hope you enjoyed it. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was pretty I funny. Luna is, Luna, Luna is here. Luna is here. Hey, Luna. She's in Germany. Hi, Luna. We're glad you're home yes. safely. Leandro is here. Leandro, our, our, our in-house designer. Yes. And here's a, here's a name from that era, actually. Dylan. Dylan Haynes is here, and Dylan, Dylan played Haynes. with us. We used to go out of town and play gigs with Dylan. We played at uh, we played on Crescent Street with Dylan. Uh, how are you, Dylan? Great to see you in here. I, I gotta tell you a little story about Dylan. Okay. So, ignorant as I am in those days, I never grew up with the Beatles, and Dylan loves the Beatles, man. That's I mean, no, I know you love the Beatles. I love right? the Beatles you, as well. Yes, my wife loves the Beatles. I really don't care for the Beatles. To this day, I don't care for the Beatles at all. I don't tried and tried you. and tried. <laughs> I just don't dig it, man. They don't do anything. I know, I it. know. It's not your thing. So I said it just like that in front of them. Man, I tell you, wanted to kill me. Yes. How can you not like the Beatles? Anyway, That's Dylan, right. I love you, man. We, you're a part of our memories. God bless. Absolutely, man. He is. He is. Uh, Aling. Aling is here. Lovely Aling. Como Aling, Aling. Spain. 
Yes. Uh, John Phillips, good friend of mine. John, how are you? Jonas Course is here. Jonas Course. Jonas Course, baby, is already ready for basketball. You see how big this I boy know. is? He's a big boy. Yes. Yeah. Oscar. Oscar Bjorn. I met, I met Jonas in Macau. He was, he was arriving in Macau. And I was playing in Macau. And, and he was <laughs> a young manager. And yes. I remember sitting there in Macau. We, we had amazing talks. We worked together. And he saved my ass more than once when I needed a gig. So shout out you, shout out to you, Mr. Jonas. Yes, absolutely. One of my dearest friends uh, ever, Jonas. Uh, thanks for coming on. Liz Davila. Liz was with me and my wife when she sang here. Hi, Liz. Thanks for coming Hi, on. Hi, Liz. Fantastic, man. Uh, Ilhan. Oh, no, that's uh, our sound man. Okay. Wow. Han. Long time. Long time no see, Han. 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 Um, fix the speakers, man. We gotta fix, the, we gotta fix that sub, fix man. Fix the speakers, downstairs. man. <laughs> Han is here. Nano is here. Nano, how are you, brother? Good to see Nano you. Nano in Manila. Yes, Thomas. I'm sure that that's... that's Thomas uh, in South Carolina. That's Thomas. Uh, Our Chuck Barnes. Stud. Yes, Chuck, Chuck Barnes. Wonderful. Wow, lots of people. Dion, Dion Slade. Dion, you rascal. You gotta show up those meetings. I heard him rehearsing in Vietnam. What a uh, voice. He's a, he's a I good mean, story Dion, not David. David. David has a nice voice, too. David, great guy. Long time, no see. David Gorman, wow. this is this what's wonderful about this job. We started playing in, 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 in uh, uh, Ho Chi Minh City, Saigon, and we met David, and he became a dear friend. And that's what's so amazing about this job. We became great friends with. The, the hotel managers, the musicians, and he was one of our customers and became a great friend. So shout out to you, my brother. Yes. Uh, Dana Salami. Dana Salami is my beautiful niece. Uh, so I thought, okay. And Yannick Wolfren. I think Yannick's a bass player, if I'm not mistaken. He's a musician. Play on, baby. Hold it down. Yes, yes. So it's great. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you have any questions uh, while we're on, please... Uh, Put them in the chat. We have our wonderful producer, Omar, is, uh, is feeding this to me on my iPad that's right here out of your view. So I don't have to be stuck on my phone reading, uh, reading off my phone. So any questions you have for us, for George, anything you'd like to know, please feel free to ask away. So we'll pick it up back in our story here. Now we're in Montreal and we played, uh, we played so much. And uh, I think one of the pivotal gigs we really learned how to become musicians was playing at Night Magic. Uh, right, George, we played Nuit Magique. Uh, Nuit Magique. Uh, we, we played at one point. I remember we played, we played seven, seven nights a week and we played matinees, if I'm not mistaken. Right. This is why the gig we do here with Alive is very similar. Because we were kids, you cannot spend all your time practicing. I mean, we're not kids. At that time, I would say I was 24 years old, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, when we got this gig and, um, we're playing every night all the time. It's in the Vieux Montreal, Old Montreal, and we Magic called Night Magic. The mm. place used to be called Black Bottom, right, Mike? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, Mar and Miles, Miles Davis. Davis. Yeah, yeah. Miles Davis club. played there. Right. And Montreal, man, was humming at that time. And Montreal was what a incredible. Music we yeah. had Ditton down the street where we saw Pat Metheny so many times. Oh, Mike, Mike Stern. Mike Stern. We saw you know, Zeb would play. Oh, everybody. Zeb, all the just down the street. 
Yeah. And so we started playing there and we were five piece band and we had one singer, Derek Martin. That's right. And just one singer, six yep. nights a week, two matinees, meaning four set in the afternoon, another four, four sets at night, uh, uh, Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, because it was a very touristic area. Yeah. And he's the only guy singing all the time, two, almost two years straight, right? Yeah. But Montreal was buzzing. There was Bishop Street, which was the rock street, like the whole street. That's and I right. remember we'd finish a gig at Deja Vu and we'd just go to Charlie's American Pub, just bring the stuff just, by hand yeah, over. Pack up our gig from one club and literally bring it to, to the club three doors over and, and set up and play there. Oh, uh, Montreal was amazing in those days, man. And there yeah. was uh, Saint Denis, which was all the blues cats, all the blues, all the blues guys. and rock, all the oh, French. Man. It was really a French, French kind of uh, circuit. Yeah. That was a kind of French scene, you know? When yeah. I say French, it was that, it was, it's a certain style. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was Saint Laurent where we did all the funk stuff later on. Later on, but there was that Bourbon was the Street. hip. That was Bourbon hip Street. Street. Oh, Bourbon, Bourbon Street. Street. Bourbon Street, where we did the, the 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 funk band, which really was the vehicle that that got us to uh, to Asia, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right. right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because we did we did the the thing is we did everything we could. So Mazbar called us the one on R and B band. We would go do the gig. Right. We were doing, you know. But that's when I learned something about musicians, right? So we would do the gig and we'd bring somebody from the R&B and we'd bring him into somewhere like Mars. And I'm like, oh, we're going to go in there. We're going to kill it, right? And it bombed because they, they, he had his one thing, right? And yeah. then we bring somebody else to Night Magic and it bombed too. Mm-hmm. So that's when I realized like you have to feel your audience. You cannot just say, well, this is what I do. Well, if this is what you do, you're gonna, then you're going to have to find the bars that support just what you do. Yeah. yeah. But when you move from bar to bar, you have to, you know, you played them much more than me. You played in blues bands, Mike. You played in a rock band. Yeah. You played, you were a lot more, you, you opened up a lot more than I did during those days. Yeah. I got to play with uh, some, some, some different people and cross uh, some different styles. Yeah. Uh, back, back then. It's a good point though. I mean, uh, I remember that bringing, bringing, I think his name was Rock. And we went to Mars with mm. him, and uh, yeah, yeah, because he was just very—he just had a—he was very niche. He just had old that school R and B, old school R and B, and then they'd ask, "Can you play a song? Can you play The Doors, or can you play a, a yeah. Rolling Stones?" And he just, no, I don't know any of that. So, well, um, that's the lesson there for us was you got to understand your venue, and then we exactly. became a little more sophisticated. Is exactly. we're gonna do this kind of venue, we need those kind of singers. We're gonna do this kind of venue because it's not good for them either. They don't like that music. Like, yeah. really? The Rock is going to play The Doors? Yeah. You know, and poor Janice, we made her sing Push, Easy <laughs> Top. Poor thing. Oh, my goodness. Put her yes, through we, that. I mean, put her through singing. Tiny yes, little would, thing, would... singing yes. Push by ZZ Top. Like, and she yes. sang by herself, too. She did. Oh, my she did. I, I think I might have sang a song or two, but that was just a little relief. But otherwise, she sang the whole night, man. Yeah, and she... she singing like she sang Whitney Houston and she sang uh, Aretha Franklin. Like, and she uh, sang. She sang it. She sang she it. She sang, did, man. She didn't, she didn't bring it down to minor third. She just, she just played it, man. Right? Oh, no, she sang, man. We never had to change the key for jazz. No, ever, ever, yeah. So, so I remember doing the, 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 the Funk Fest and, uh, and I remember having a band where we had, I mean, all the great, the greatest singers in montreal at one point george 
And I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you can correct me here, but that was the pivotal gig that opened the door to Asia. Because I want, I want to get to uh, right. So I just to get to the L, L live thing, you know. We'll get to that live thing, but just really fast. I had stopped for a minute. <laughs> I needed to take some time off, and I joined somebody else's band, and mm-hmm. then I realized. Oh yeah, right. For me. I remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, it was great actually. One of the happiest times of my life because I didn't have to lead a band because it's so difficult. Right. But in those days, man, we, we we I had to drive the cassettes over to people's houses, yes. and there was no group chat. You had to call nine people. Yeah. And and when someone canceled, you had to call all the nine people again. And I remember very clearly delivering the cassettes to every cassettes to everyone. Putting them in their mailbox. I mean, it's like, oh, I'm sticking in your mouth, man. All you have to do is open it up and take the cassette out. A week later, he calls me. He said, George, my cassette is frozen. It's like, no shit. It's been sitting there in January in Canada. I mean, I drove it to your house, bro. You couldn't even open the box and take it out. But that's how difficult it was in those days, man. Very, very challenging. I mean, uh, younger musicians, I don't think they could ever relate to the amount. I mean, uh, you know, the the amount of work it took just to have a rehearsal, right? Dubbing. And when do you rehearse? Yeah. And then, yeah, and we had to go and get a rehearsal space, right? Right. And then you, you know, I had to drive everybody to the gig, right? Yes. So I had to leave an hour and a half before. Then yes. I had to drive everybody back. And then every one of them was just about 10 minutes late, right? So yeah. then I said, George, what? Why are you getting excited, man? I'm only 10 minutes late. I'm like, listen here, you mother. It's 10 minutes plus 10 minutes plus 10 minutes. That's 70 minutes. I'm waiting the car waiting for you guys. And then I get home at 7 a.m. because I have, you know, but here's the thing, which you remember very well with my, mm-hmm. with my van, Bell Canada van, about 400 bucks. Yes. We, this we don't hear overnight right now, but every gig we had to rent a sound system and set up the entire sound system. Bars yeah. didn't have sound systems. That's right. That's right. We have to set up the whole sound system and sometimes lights. Finish yeah. the gig, you're super tired. You had a couple of drinks. You have to tear down everything. Tear down the entire sound and you're system. And you in bloody Pine Hill. You're in Pine Hill. Two hours away, <laughs> and you're driving the snow back. It was miserable, but oh, we loved wait. every minute of it. Where did we play? Dylan, if he's still in a ch- if he's still on, uh, on here, he'd remember. It was a, It was out of town. It was downstairs, really small bar, man. And I oh, we played a lot of shitholes, man. We had to, yes, yeah. We had the Bell Canada van. We load everything in it, and we propane. Played, and it was a fun propane. <laughs> so, which means you had to have a map. <laughs> to tell you where the next station that had propane That's was, right. and it right. always broke down. I ended up one one day and it broke down in the middle of the night, like 4 a.m., pitch black in Canada on the highway. I had to go to yeah. some house. Anyway, we'll move on because I could spend hours on that. Yes, I know. There's a lot of stories there, but uh, getting 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 from that, I think it was having that amazing band that was put together, and uh, and then getting uh, seen by someone who who who. Um, who worked in Asia. Okay, so right. I'll make it fast. So that time when I took the time off, I'm at my brother Joseph, and, and we're having fun. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hanging myself and I took, I took some time off. I said, I was teaching a lot in, in Montreal. You know, I, was, I taught for seven years. That's another story. We're not gonna get into that. Right. But teaching taught me a lot and gave me that love for teaching because I really love to teach. And it was very meaningful for me. You and I touched in the same school. Yep. But I listened, I heard a song by James Brown, man. 
and I had this feeling like I cannot describe. Well, actually, I can't describe it because I've had it so many times. And I went to see uh, Alan Prater mm-hmm. with Coco when Janet's doing a gig, and I'm like, that's it. I'm starting another band. It's going to be a funk band. Yes. And we started like that. It was, it was, uh, Danny Blanco was absolutely amazing. Uh, um, Dorothy Ann. Yeah, Dorothy Ann. You, I was on drums. And who Michel, was on bass? Michelle. Michelle Belanger. Michelle Belanger. Michel and and, and uh, Mount, may he rest in peace. And Mousy. Didn't Mousy play keys? Mousy. Oh my God. Amazing. 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 Yeah. Amazing. yeah. So, and you know, a lot of my things, and after that, I got from Danny Blanco. He was a good looking guy, tall. He could dance his ass off. He was, to me, he was very unique. He had the whole package, man. Honestly, you have mm-hmm. to give credit where credit is due. I picked yeah. a lot of stuff from him, you know. And at the time, I, I had a thing in my head. I said, who are the best guys? And there's one thing, I guess, that helped me is I will call anybody. Like, mm-hmm. nothing will stop me. And I called. We started with that funk band, and then we expanded it, right? Yes. And because of the funk festival and all of that stuff. And then we went to Bourbon Street with all the best. They were, I've always been around musicians that were better than me, for sure. And yeah. I made a point to always well. hire, because I was the boss, not the boss, but I mean, I was the, doing the hiring. Yes, that's right. So I yeah. made sure that whoever's I'm going to hire, they're going to be better than me. Because what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, so might as well hire the best and, and elevate yourself. And then we added on, I think, Desi and, of course, uh, your wife. I'm not sure if you guys were married uh, at that so point. So I met, I met Julie with you. That, mm-hmm. That's me yes. mentioning because Julie is watching. She just kicked my ass if I don't mention this. <laughs> Smart. You got to think, brother. You got to think. <laughs> your wife's on. I still got to go home after the show. <laughs> so I saw Julie. I was with you, and I pointed at her. This is a true story. True story. I said, Mikey, you see that girl over there? I said, yeah. And Julia, 26, was dropped dead gorgeous. I said, I'm going to marry her. Yes. And uh, here we are. So here we are, man. Then the, Julie was in, in another band. She was with Antu. That's right. It was a, another dear friend of ours. She's a drummer. And then when we did the Bourbon Street thing, Julie came in. And to take you straight to the point, if I may, Yes. We, it was, in my opinion, like one of the best bands around because I had the best people around. You know, they played with, you know, uh, Jackson 5. Oh, well, yeah, uh, I went on tour with the, yeah, the Victory Tour with the, with the, the Jackson 5, man. Yeah, of course. And, I um, mean, these guys were uh, really, that was, the, that was their thing. With Mousy. Cameo. Yeah. Mousy. Yeah, Mousy. I mean, nobody yeah. plays like Mousy. Yeah, Funky. and Michelle. One day Michelle, I'll release, I have a recording of that. Michel yeah. Belanger, I mean, yeah. he, yes. he calls himself Mike. He sounds better yeah. as Michel, man. Go back. I know. To I, I can't get used to it. If he, he usually no. watches the show, if no. you're if you're listening, can I do I it, know. brother? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Just like Frank the Tank, he says, "I want to call myself Plus One." No. No, no, no. Frank no. the Tank. Cannot. Can't cannot do have it. a knack. No, no. Cannot have a knack. So, <laughs> so, Sharon Carter, uh, Sheraton Carter, Sheraton I have Carter, to give him right. his dues. Right. They're coming to Montreal to recruit. But before that, we were being recruited for Japan, Osaka. Yeah. And that fell apart for whatever reason. Now I know how these things work. Well, I, and Sheraton... Well, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you yeah, off. I, 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 no, I, I remember auditioning for the, for the Japan gig. 
but the other bands that were auditioning, I think they may have already played overseas because they really, really had choreography together. We had, we had a, a nice rhythm section and we had Janice's voice, but I remember the other bands had, I think they might've had all even costumes and they were slick. They had the, the, the moves and the choreography and we kind of went up and just played our songs. Because remember, we like, were so stuck on, 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 like, on the music, right? And yeah. that's the lesson we learned the hard way after. And they had a very average singer, really. But she had the thing, man. She was all over the place. Say, they got picked right away. I'm like, I know. We have Janice. How could you possibly do that? But then I, you know, because we weren't trained like that. We just say, sing, babe. And she sang her ass off. Yeah. Right? But then I realized, okay, well, you cannot, you cannot skip that. You know, I mean, there's a reason why Prince looks like Prince. Because he knew, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So we did the, 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 the Osaka thing. It didn't work out. And then Sheraton Carter came to Ottawa and he called the, I don't remember, his bass player they knew, fantastic guy, Benjamin, I think his name is, one of Janice's friends. I would like okay. to give him a kudos. But anyhow, he said, I'm looking for some bands. Luckily for us, at the time we had the nine piece, horns and everything, I think. That was the big piece. So this guy told, told Sheraton, he said, every musician in Montreal today is at Bourbon Street. And we're playing, right? So Sheraton Carter comes, it's like, okay, he comes into the, the, the dressing room. Oh, I gotta hire you guys. And he takes me aside. He said, George, can you come to Hong Kong? I have a gig in Hong Kong. I said, of course, no problem. Cause we were already auditioning for Japan, Osaka, right? Right. Then he said, how about all the musicians? Can they all come to Hong Kong? I said, of course, everyone's coming. So the next day I called everybody, I'm so excited, we're going to Hong Kong. Everybody said, no, nobody wants to go. So I'm like, <laughs> I gotta go to Hong Kong. So he calls me again and said, are we going to Hong Kong? I said, yes, we're going to Hong Kong, man. So <laughs> what I did is I hired, Julia has a beautiful cousin. So she's a model. So I made a post for people that weren't even musicians. And I sent it to him. It's a true story, I still have the poster. I sent it to him and said, okay, we're going, fantastic. And then when it's time to go, and we had, you know, and I said, okay, a couple of people pulled out, but don't worry, I got, I can replace them. Mm -hmm. So I replaced them, but one of the main singers, that's the first time I learned, you don't walk out on your commitment. Mm -hmm. So one of the main singers walked out and we got fired. We never saw Hong Kong at that time. Right. Yeah. And it was devastating, man. So yeah. you commit, you're affecting other people's lives or don't commit. So that's, that's when I started learning things really the hard life, way. Life lessons, man, for, for musicians. I mean, it's, it's, it's good to, to hear because, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You, your words, your bond, man. That's all you got. Mm -hmm. And long story short, Hong Kong, they say, no, that singer's not there. We're not going to do it. Then we get Jakarta. You want me to go there or you want well, to? Well, Jakarta, I remember here? because, well, it's, it's relative because it's, it's, about, it's about what we spoke about earlier, I think, George. Uh, in 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 um, in Mars is knowing your venue, knowing your audience. Because I wasn't on that gig. Because uh, you were one lucky guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, know. I know. I always thank my older son every time. Thank you for being born right before they went to Jakarta. Because um, again, knowing the venue, you guys went with all that great funk repertoire. And this is 1997. So if I'm not mistaken, you've got the the uh, the Spice Girls. 
and you've got the Backstreet Boys, and you've Unbreak got Unbreak My Heart, Unbreak My Heart, Tony Braxton, and you guys probably didn't have any of that. You had Sly and the Family Stone, and you had, um, right. uh, you know, the, 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 that funk stuff, and maybe the, the, some R&B, right. right? And But also, we slapped, we slapped the band together. And, you know, when the, the whole band's on the same page, we know that now very yes. well. Very well. <clears throat> and so, the Sheraton called me the last minute and says, okay, we have a gig in, at the Fashion Cafe in Jakarta, B&I building right next to Sheraton. Those people that are watching, they know where that is. Mm-hmm. And that was March 1997. Yeah. Right? Yes. Talk about a gig from hell. One day I'm going to write three chapters about that one gig. It was a gig, gig from hell. Yes, could have us on, on this. On we this. got hit by lightning. There were tarantulas on my pillow, yes. rats walking under the table. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. We'll leave it Musicians at that. talking to God. Yes. And uh, yes. I, I, how can I compete with God? When a God talks to a musician, what am I going to no. tell him the next day? God is going to win. I'm not going to, I can't compete with that. Right? Yeah. Well, the traffic, and, uh, I remember but, one thing you told me, the traffic was so bad that there's no way you can leave where you live in the daytime, go to the venue, rehearse, oh. and get back. So consequently, you have to finish the gig, wait for the place to clear out, and then rehearse, right? Right. After right. the gig. Uh, M- Mousy used to call it the war of the inches because the car would drive inch by inch. And Jakarta, still, to this day, is still that, yeah. you know. But yeah. I love Jakarta. That was, the good thing came out of it is I love Indonesia. I love Jakarta. I played there so many times, as you have, right? Yeah, But thank God for Julie, because honestly, because Julie carried us through. So she came in with heels this big. And she is that. She is that whole thing, that, that the pop thing and the disco. And she loves that stuff. It's yeah. like one thing to convince an R&B person to sing disco or a rock person. It's another thing to get someone who just loves it, right? Yeah. And she's going around the room kissing everybody. I argue, you know, in French Canadian. They're very expressive. And mm-hmm. so she say, really, honest to God, thank, thank God for her. But we go in there playing Sly and the Family Stone. We're playing uh, Chaka Khan, you know, uh, like not right. Chaka Khan, uh, the, the, the stuff we know, uh, Ain't Nobody. I mean, we're doing... Tell me something. Oh, uh, good. Tell me something good. And, yeah, that's uh, sophisticated yeah. stuff, man. We're doing. So yeah. I remember Wit is coming up to me and says, Do you guys have MTV in Canada? What is this <laughs> stuff you play? So, no, needless to say, the gig didn't work out and we left there with our tail between, and it was just a disaster. <laughs> but but uh, le- lesson learned. But right? we started. I mean, it started. That's the, the thing. Everything you start at the beginning, you're most likely like singing, whatever you do or guitar, or you're most likely gonna suck. Just hang in there. We're in Asia yeah. now. Yeah. It was Put terrible, but Mikey, you worked, you worked your card rights, man, because you joined us a year and a half later. Well, really, I think, was... I think you planned it that way. I, I... I think you said, let those bastards go suffer, and then when they figure it out, call me. I think Call you... me when everything is nice. Yeah. You that Hong Kong gig, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna come yeah. and join you then, yes. That was well, a plan. My son's birth, really, uh, it was, it was uh, yeah. As it turns out now, his, his birth, January 31st, 1997. That's we started March 8th. And I remember telling you, yes, I, George, I can't, I can't <laughs> go on the gig. I can't do it. And you're right. Yeah. So. Well, that was devastating right there because I didn't have my core. Yeah. I didn't have my guys. So they know how we do, you know. So, yeah. so now, now we know how important that is. 
back yeah. then I had we had to make it work. But here exactly. we are in Asia now, March 1997. Yeah, so you're getting a foot in the door, and then there's. But uh, we didn't I, talk about the funk festival, man. We didn't talk about the drum wow, festival. Wow, that's. But that's, let's move on. Let's I know, I know, man. Yeah, I want to get to. Yeah, I want <laughs> to. be in the book. To, it'll be in the book. It'll be in the book. We're gonna have. George's gonna have a book. I want to get to the L Live thing, and there's a ton of questions over here. I, I'm seeing so many of them, so I'm gonna take one because it's going to uh, it's going to uh, tie right into where we are in our time frame here. Thomas is asking, when did Mikey and G start using tracks, and what made you decide to do it? I don't know if you remember, but I do remember how that started. I don't know if you want me to tell this how story. How do you remember? I remember because we had a keyboard player. We had a keyboard player. His name was Dory. And you were drumming then. You were drumming. When George came to Asia, he was a drummer. And we're going to get to that shortly when you uh, transitioned. And Dory, when we, we used to play dance music, and Dory would, had a kind of a drum machine built into his keyboard. And we'd be playing some song, and typically it would, it would have to end. The song's over. And he would hit a button, and the beat would keep going. And I think we just we managed to segue two songs together. <laughs> And we kept the dance floor, and it was like, I remember that night, it's something about it, uh, or we talked, we spoke about it and said, this is amazing. And I remember you talking to Dory, and, you know, and I remember him really being into the keyboard and the features of it. And this is, this is early days. I mean, early days for technology, right? We didn't have iPads and, and, and sequences. But I think that's where the seed was planted, if I'm not mistaken. Was. Right. And, and when it really clicked in my head, that, that's true. Actually, I forgot about that story. But also once in, we were playing Kiss La Boca in Taipei, which is right after, at the very beginning, we started playing in Taiwan. I remember walking to the girl said, where's, where's Taipei? She said, Taiwan. I'm like, okay. So yeah. then when we worked with Roger Corey, that's when it really clicked in my head. You use that machine, if I'm not mistaken, it was called MC200 or yeah. something like yeah. that. Early days, man, really early and, But days. that was when it became really funky. He would hit this track with about, you know, we used to do... Samples. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, my ponies, and he would yes. play these things, yes. and amazing. But then what happened is, like, now we, we moved on, man. So what happens is today in music, right? So you're moving from four-piece band to five-piece band to seven-piece bands. And I remember Smooth came out, and I'm reading about you know, reading those, those magazines, it said, it's 101 tracks. Okay, I got drums, guitar, bass. If I'm lucky, I have keyboards, right? Yeah. And there are sounds we cannot recreate. In the olden days, we were doing, doing you know, Aretha, I Feel Good, you know, uh, Dock of the Bay. Those were the instruments, drums, bass, guitar. Yeah. Um, and bass, uh, um, keyboards, right? So now we're playing music that none of this stuff exists. And what happened really is that we would play, no matter how hard we work, it would sound so thin. And the DJ comes out and goes, DJ. And he would kick our ass. I, I said, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen again. No. Yes. So I said, okay, put that shit in there. Beef it up, man. Because when the DJ comes on, God bless him. We want him to keep on the floor. But we were fighting against a tank and we had a bicycle. Yeah. And as you move on, we have trios, the West. It gave us stability, man. It gave us like, you know, if you have three horns and some strings and you have bass, guitar and drums, what am I going to do? 
So most of the time we just bring, put all the elements that are not in there. That's it. And that's the world today. Six years ago, everyone argued with us about it. Now nobody argues because the Rolling Stones are using traps. Yeah, no, I mean, just, it's a course. given. Of course, it's a given now. I mean, it gives you that 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 this. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Good question, sir. Yeah, yes, <laughs> a very good question. And then Emily Marie is asking, uh, how did the name El Live come about? Okay, so that's a nice story. Mm -hmm. Go back to 1985, maybe. Mm -hmm. I go to Chuck Burrow's house. I'll make it very fast because I cannot cover 40 years in an hour or whatever it is. <clears throat> I go to Chuck's house. He's teaching a lot of drummers. And, and you know, when you're someone, drummer's lessons finish, another drummer's coming in, you chat for five minutes, that drummer leaves and you start your lesson. So a drummer there called Ian Froman was sitting there, right? <clears throat> Ian is an amazing drummer. Google him, jazz drummer. He's an educator now, but we lost touch for a while. I've been meaning to call him anyway. So he's there saying, well, you know, nobody appreciates jazz. And he wasn't playing like straight jazz. He was playing ECM, which makes the niche even smaller, right? Right. You know, the jazz, the Jeanette stuff and all of that stuff. And me being me, I said, oh, I'll bring you here. He said, really? I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why not, man? Come on. Oh, why did I do that? Okay, so now I'm committed. So right away, I call him. I said, okay, where do you want to play? Blah, 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 blah. I'm rushing through the whole thing. He brings Miroslav Vitus, one of the founders of uh, Weather wow. Report. He played with Miles Davis, right? Yeah. So I called him to Boston. I don't know anything, man. I'm making pizzas. <laughs> right so i had to rent the hall i had to and here's how i advertise it man all of these things played into here into i took the place. union book true story i took the union book musicians union book and i called every single person to tell them about the gig and i remember says george we need an itinerary i'm like what what does an itinerary mean i had to ask what does what does that mean i didn't know the word and wow. you know, we had to do, I had to do, produce the show. I didn't even know who Slavitas were was until after. I'm like, wow. And then I had to book the tickets, everything we do now. That's but now I'm like 21 years old. Right. Right. And I produced the show. It was a success. I lost about four or five thousand dollars, which in those days is losing like forty thousand today. Right. You know, back then. <clears throat> but it was a great success. We brought them in. They left without any incident. And I'm like, we need a name. The last thing like, I need a name. So I had this idea of recording bands from two tracks. I heard that Joe Jackson does that. He records right. the shows from two tracks and sends it out as it is. So it's Alive. My name is El Shakia. Alive. I played with the words. I took the first letters of my name, Alive, and made it Alive. And I remember a friend of mine said, you lost money. Why are you so excited? You just lost four thousand $4,000. I said, man, I produced a show. It cost me $4,000. One year in school cost me $10,000. What I learned just in those few minutes is worth a lot more than a year in school. And then the Commodores call me, man, in my pizzeria. The Commodores. <laughs> Would you like? Seriously. I'm like, hi, I'm the manager of the Commodores. I'm like, you mean Lionel Richie? He said, well, yeah. Would you like to produce our show in Ottawa? I'm like, are you shitting me? I haven't slept in four months, man. Wow. You know, 
And, but it was a great, great compliment, you know? And so that's where Alive came from. And when we did Alive now, I needed a name really fast. I said, hey, I have that name from 20 years ago. Let's use 20 it. 20 years ago, it's still your name. Yes, great, great name, man. Great name. Uh, some highs, some shout outs. Uh, Christina is here, lovely Christina. Christina is in the Ukraine. Christina's our Ukrainian queen. Our Ukrainian queen. Uh, Kat Riggins is here. Hey, Kat, nice to see you. She was a wonderful Kitty, guest. kitty. I love Kat, man. Kat was absolutely awesome. I enjoyed. You see how sweet she was in her interview, man? She was great. Great, great. I love it. Kat I, I... was amazing. She, what I loved about Kat, she sang so wonderfully. She had that unique tone. She did the right thing going to blues. Like, she, she, she yeah. had, what, had her passion. But I remember rehearsing her. I don't know if she remember that. I remember rehearsing the band. And she would just say, okay, G. And because she allowed me to share my experience with her, it made the band. So I'm leading this into the best musicians are those who are always willing to learn. Those who are coachable, no matter how long they've been around. Excuse me, it doesn't matter how long you've been around. And I always call her Kitty Kitty. I hope it's still okay. I love that woman. And I wish her the greatest success. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Great story, man. Yeah, yeah. That openness to, to still to still uh, learn. You gotta be coachable, man. Yeah, yeah. Good. Very good point. I like it. Now we're getting into the L Live stuff, man. Awesome. Uh, Claude Hervé Jean. Claude Hervé. I'm not sure if there's a comment there. I'm not sure if that's Claude. Yeah. Claude, Claude, with, Claude the drummer with the red hair. Wow, if that's him, I'm not hello sure. and welcome. That, yes, if that's him, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Julianne, I'm not sure. Julianne, well, we, we have I'm to give sure. credit where credit is due. I'm is it sure Julianne, uh, Julianne uh, Shaw's uh, wife? I'm not sure, it just says, I'm not, it just says Julianne. But well, if, that's if it is Julianne, she was extremely instrumental. Uh, I talked to a hotel lately, they kept telling me we want that band from that uh, era, and I knew they were just talking about Julianne. They were just saying, we want someone like Julianne. So thank you for your contribution. You were a big part and Definitely. blessed with your children and your marriage. Yes, absolutely. It's good to absolutely. be alive, baby. We're, we're really yeah. L-match production. That's what, really what we do behind the scenes. <laughs> we get people married. We get people married. You got me married. I, I ended up marrying one of your singers. Shame on you, Mikey. No, I'm no, sorry. no. I know, broke the rules, yeah, but- That uh, was before Alive though, I forget. That was before Alive, yes. In my defense, ladies and gentlemen, that's before there was a, an Alive uh, rule. Although, of course, my wife and I snuck around. Yes, yes, we did that for many years. Uh, <laughs> uh, Julie is here, I'm, I'm assuming that's, that's your, your wife. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna try and get this name right. Fauzi Otelli. That's my beautiful nephew, my first, my eldest nephew. Fantastic. Uh, Sarade Carey, Sarade is here. Hi, Sarade. Sarade, welcome, Sarade. Sarade is yes. a great friend. Um, yes. She's a GM of a beautiful hotel coming up, I believe, in Koh Samui. So welcome, right. Sarade. Thank you for joining right. us. Dolly, Dolly Hotel. My whole family is there. That's my niece. Okay, your family is here. And Alani, our singer Alani is here also. Alani from South Africa. Yes. Watch yeah. out for Alani. She's going to be a devastating DJ. We have a concept coming out with Alani that you haven't seen anywhere. 
really yes. exciting. Elani, Elani uh, can wear a potato sack and she'll bring the house down. There you go. Well, that, that's about pivoting. And let me, let me uh, use that to, to move to the next part of our story because uh, um, the main pivot is you and I go on the roof of the Shangri-La Hotel in Shanghai to have a beer one afternoon. And you say to me, Mikey, I'm going to move up front and I'm going to be a singer. Now, at this point, you're drumming. You're drumming your whole life. So I know that uh, I'm sure you, you, would, you would agree this is a pivotal pivotal moment um in the development that's a life-changing moment yeah so uh let's that's a life-changing moment let's discuss that because it's interesting first of all of course uh, you know i think everyone would want to know why why would you want to do that you know you, you love drumming you want the politically correct answer or the real answer <laughs> george we don't fake anything now right we don't fake anything so i, I the main reason why because i could not stand singers uh-oh. Anymore. Can apologize. I just all the singers out there. I got to a point where I literally hated singers. That's the real story. Mm -hmm. Because we would build something, they would leave, and everything falls apart. They have yeah. to leave that spine. But they knew they had you by the nuts. Singers yes. always know they have you by the nuts. With all the respect to my beautiful singers, you know mm -hmm. I adore you. But that's a fact. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like building and everything crumbles and I build and everything crumbles and I build and everything crumbles. And back up a little bit, Christopher Svensson in Shanghai, God bless his heart. He had having a few dreams. He's going to Portugal for a, for a remember Christopher in, in Shanghai? Of yes, absolutely, man. Yes, of course. This one's George, I'm going to Portugal. He didn't use these words. Beep, 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 beep. When I come back, I want you to sing. I'm like, sing? I can't sing. You know, I can't sing at all. Anyhow, so I learned Habibi and Urlaim by Amr Diab from, mm. because I'm Arabic. So I said, it's right down my alley. If I screw it up, they don't know the song. <laughs> they don't know Arabic anyway, right? So. so he comes back and he didn't forget, sing my song. You know, I'm like, I'm shaking, man. Four songs before. Mm. There's an Iraqi delegation that's pre-Saddam problems there's an iraqi delegation there so i sing habibi and urlaim and it sucked i know i'm off key the whole way through they're looking at me like i'm in these people are there in shanghai looking at some guy they don't know i'm arabic and i speak arabic and it's all like crap but i don't know what happened the dance floor was packed yes, yes. packed mm -hmm. you were there course yeah i'm it's sleeping true story sometimes man there's higher power in the middle of the night i get up because our singer at the time roger may he, may he rest in peace right drops the bomb on me we're about to go to bangkok bangkok which is like that trophy in those days for any band we're mm. going to spa so are you insane you know so you, we had you, done we had done spasso with julie and roger before go ahead mm. please no, but he, he, was, he, was, he was not going to Bangkok. He was backing out of the gig, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. He drops the bomb on me. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, the last minute. So I get up in the middle of the I had just sang this song and sucked at it. And I just I said, I'm going to become the, the singer. So first I had to run it by you because you know I can't sing. Right? Mm -hmm. And your old security, so I have to make sure you're comfortable <laughs> with it. 
It's my nickname. George always calls me all security. All security. Yes. So, and then I went, told the band, said, guys, if any of you wants to quit, I don't even know who was on the game, but it was yeah, yeah, like I remember. visual I remember. suspects, Mark maybe. And I said, I'm moving up front. No, Mark wasn't there. What am I saying? I'm playing drums. No, Mark, Mark hadn't joined yet. Yeah. And you, all of you guys said, okay. So I called Steve Radcliffe, God bless his heart, the guy that got me into a Hyatt in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I'm, he said, I said, Steve, listen, man, I'm coming in. I'm going to be singing. And I can't do accents like, George, you can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Steve, don't worry, man. I got you. Gonna be fine. Don't worry. I'm going to sing. And um, we made the change. We hired some other singer. Julie was still with me. So I had my band. I had a lot of support. Yeah. But I found my niche. I started with Sex Bomb by uh, Tom Jones. I did very easy tunes. Yeah. All I did was I just was just praying to stay in key. Yeah. But it changed everything. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's what I'm uh, was was getting to here. Everything changed after that, man. I mean, now you're not at the mercy of anybody else. You you create something, you build it, and you you can you can you can move it from from venue to venue, right? There would be no live productions had I not moved up front. Yeah. And believe me, man, I was struggling, but. Luckily, I had the discipline, the way I used to practice drums. I would mm. practice two hours at least sing. I never became a great singer. I always say I'm the worst singer I ever hired. So, but the fact of the matter is I understood the crowd. You know, sometimes I have Colette on one side, I have Julie, I have Leslie Ann. I had amazing people on my side. So you want singing? They, they, they're going to, don't but worry, you got the best of the cover. best. Yeah. But... Watching the house and getting this thing, when the, the night didn't go my way, give me the microphone. And I understood, I understood the one thing. The one thing is make somebody happy. If the audience are bored, nobody cares how great of a singer you are. They don't care at all. It's not about yeah. how great you are. It's about how do you make me feel? Mm-hmm. I understood that and that helped me a lot. Yeah. It was yeah. the root of the company. That move, that's the pivoting that I did that changed everything. Mikey, name me one guitar player, one guitar player besides Santana that made it as a superstar that doesn't sing. One. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. There Daniel. isn't one. There isn't one. He's, if, he's exactly. He's, if he's, Jimi he's, Hendrix didn't sing, he'd be playing no. guitar in somebody else's band. Exactly. No, he exactly. And he did. He did for many years and he got tired of it. Right. Stevie Ray Vaughan, same thing. He hated his voice. He used to have to right. turn down the lights in the studio. And Imagine yeah, if he didn't sing. If, if, if uh, George Benson didn't sing, he'd be just a wonderful guitar player, but he would be in his small niche in the jazz thing, mm. right? Like, you gotta get, you got to sing, man. you got to sing. you you got to sing. If you care about your career and you're a musician, sing. And it's okay if you don't sound good, don't sound good guys. Yeah. It's okay. But no, your I life think- depends on it. It totally, Your career depends on it. Yeah. And again, then you were smart. Like you said, you picked the, you picked the songs. I remember you did, of course, the Arabic ones. We did uh, Yalabina after that. We added that. You did Sex Bomb. Then you did uh, Men in Black was great. Then you did Shaggy, you know, where you don't have this, the vocal range isn't, isn't all over. And then you, you, I remember it was like your trademark. You did the Eminem stuff. 
and you nailed it. I mean, the, the whole rapid, but the, the presentation, the presentation, I think if I can add that, you know, some singers forget about it. They get just, they get very internal about what they're doing, about their voice, and they forget that it's, it's, you're, you're there for the audience. You're not just there. It, 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 the energy's just not going here. It has to go, has to go that way, right? I mean, we start chopping things up somewhere in Hong Kong, dissecting everything. We took mm. everything apart. It's like, mm. it took 14 years to do that, dissecting everything. So when I do this, what are they supposed, what are they supposed to feel? Forget about React. When I do this, what are they supposed to feel? So if I'm playing a sexy song, what are they supposed to feel? If it's sensual, what are they supposed to feel? If it's angry, what are you supposed to feel when I'm doing this, right? So in my mind, I'm thinking through the song and I'm thinking, okay, what, are they, what do I want from them when I do this? And then you tweak it. So we finished the song, we didn't get the reaction we want. Why? Is it because of the ending? Is it because the way we said thank you? Is yeah. it because of the way we walk off stage? Is it because yeah. we left the front too fast? Tempo. Is it the tempo? Yeah. Is, it, yeah. is it the ending was too sophisticated? Did it cut off on the yeah. end of four? So what we did was we really took everything about this business and chop, 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 chop everything. There weren't anything that we didn't, we didn't analyze. And every night I took notes. Every night I would take notes. The next day, okay, what happened here? Why did we lose the dance floor here? When I do this song, if I'm angry, I want you to feel angry. If I'm happy, if it's sensual and sexual, I want you to feel that. And you know, I had LA, Julie, Colette, Inga. Yes. What? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. But we mm -hmm. played it, we, we danced together, we moved around. People were like, Mesmerized. It, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take feelings out of it. Any jackass can sing a song. I mean, look around you, man. Mm. If there's no lack of bands and singers. Look at, you know, American Idol, which was a disaster for the music business. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. Now you've got thousands of amazing singers packing boxes at, at, at Costco, but they're yeah. famous. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you have to play, go out there and play, 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 play. So you understand the audience because we live for the live thing. Live music is never going to die. Never. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Now everybody says, oh, we're in COVID. It's all going to move to the screen. What? It's mm. the most boring thing ever. I saw Sting on the screen, people I love. I saw Rolling Stones. I saw Tower of Power. After two minutes, I'm bored, man. Yeah, you're missing that that energy with that in, in the uh, audience interaction. You of walk course, in man. the club, yeah. you yeah. hear the buzz. There's music. There's beautiful yeah. ladies around. Handsome men. People are laughing. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You hear that, and then you get shivers. And besides that, when you're watching the screen, you're in a taxi. You're in a bus. You know, you're you're you know you're commuting. Mm. Your state of mind is like this club beforehand you put on your suit you put on some perfume the ladies put on the makeup the heels there's a preparation there's mm -hmm. a whole ritual that sets you in the mood when they arrive there's this buzz that's what we're addicted to mm -hmm. everybody comes in and wow and the live band comes on 
That's what I was addicted to. I wanted to do this and get that. And that now feeling. we're all connected. There's no more audience, people, stuff. It's like <laughs> that vibration is what mm. I lived for. Mm. And if you are a musician out there and you don't go for that, why in the fuck are you on stage? <laughs> That's what you want to go for, man. Really, because it's boring otherwise. It's yeah. boring otherwise. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. It doesn't pay that much money. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, so that's the reasons. thing, man. That's what we live for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, absolutely, man. I mean, uh, it's lost on, on some musicians, but uh, I mean, it's, it's ingrained, I think, just from, uh, just go back to the beginning of this story where we started, you know, working with people like, just, just think of, remember Derek. I mean, Derek was just all about... Wow. Uh, old school, I'm going to go over. You're going to like me. You're going to get a good feeling when you come into the club. I'm going to make you happy. I'm well, going to put also, a smile Derek, on what face. I learned from Derek is he had an incredible voice to start with. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this guy was number 10 when, when James Brown was number James one Brown's on the charts. charts. He's right there. No, it really... Uh, but what I learned from Derek is the storytelling. So, and we'd give him this vamp and he would go on and start telling a story, right? And yeah. I learned that from him. So you guys would play a vamp and I start talking about a story and, and you know, there's some humor in it and some, you know, it was a thing, man. It was a journey. And I learned that from him. It doesn't have to be song after song after song after song. And we yeah. came up with the term, don't jukebox him. Because that's what it meant. You're just playing songs over each other. You just jukebox them. Might as well just have a job. Jukebox, while, right? It just turns into this, right? So yeah. we said, break it down. So yesterday I was walking on the street and we and I would think of all these scenarios in my head. How am I going to lead that story? And that was an angle nobody was doing. And I learned that from Derek. Very difficult to teach someone that. But yeah, if you it's can see it. to go back and, and man, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> but also, you know, we 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 would get depressed when the set didn't go well. Like really get oh, literally depressed. Yeah. And now I yeah. see, I see some set. bands and they, one set, never mind the yeah. show. Yeah. And you know me at that time, I was uh, less than, than, than uh, diplomatic, but mm -hmm. we would, we, like literally, literally I would feel sick to my stomach, so embarrassed when we failed. Mm -hmm. And we would go in the back, we'd be screaming and yelling. There's no way we're going back to this shit after this set. There's mm -hmm. no way we're going to fail like this again. And we would go back because we didn't let the night fail. Just don't let one set fail. And you do that, man, for 14 years, you're going to figure it out. If you didn't figure it out, like your brain has been on vacation for quite a while. Yeah. You know, yes. and that's, it's got to hit you in a very personal way. Mm -hmm. You gotta Absolutely. know why you're walking on stage, man. And if yeah. you fail, it's the worst feeling. But I see some bands now, nobody reacts. Not just that it doesn't affect them. They didn't even notice. Mm -hmm. It's like a basketball player losing the game and they didn't even notice, they just lost. Yeah. The game's over, what was the score? I don't know, what was the score? Did we win, did we lose? I don't know, yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Completely detached, I, I, I guess, would, would, would be uh, what's, what's happening there, yeah. I mean, these are the kind of things that, um, you know, a lot of uh, uh, values and things that uh, we've, we've tried to instill and in, in developing a company and impart on other musicians are, are, are these, these kind of things, this whole process 
from all those years of experience, right? I mean, going somewhere with the wrong repertoire, not reading, not knowing the venue, and what you're just talking about, not making a connection with the audience, going in and not even making that 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 connection with the audience. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's really quite, well, quite, quite something, man. You know. Yeah, the the audience are, are everything, man, because that's really where it's. Look, if you don't make the audience happy, like I'll give you a story, okay? True mm. story happened last night. So, what is our purpose, Mike? Make somebody happy. Make somebody happy. So, that never left my mind. All these things, I didn't just take a paper and order down. We've been talking about it for thirty for, years, for, for a long time. <laughs> um, Kea, Kea, uh, her last name is um, from South Africa. Oh, um, starts with the letter D. So yeah, maybe maybe Omar can fill us in. Okay. I'm yeah. last night. I'm I'm having there's a wine tasting with um, with with Julie and some friends, and I had a bad day, as you know, it's a personal thing. But I've been having a, a bad day. Mm. Kaya's dad, Francois, his name's Francois, yes, he's French, he's South Africa. He sends me a message thanking me for the way we treat his daughter. And just a nice note. And I look at this man, and he elevated all my pain. He erased everything. Because when we started the company, I had two things in mind. I'm going to create a company that I will recommend to my own son. Because in essence, everyone in our company is somebody's son and somebody's daughter. Now, imagine if, if, imagine if I would be worried if my own son worked in my company because the conditions are not correct. So which CEO could live with that? So in my head, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a company that I can recommend for my own son. And I'll never send a band to a place where I wouldn't play, I wouldn't eat, and I wouldn't sleep in that bed. These are, these are kind of kept me straight but he's a man that i've never met okay a brand he just messaged me i've never met him and he changed my whole day i got up this morning in a great mood one message one message make somebody powerful. happy powerful stuff man we go on stage we're playing guitar we're singing it's not about the singing it's not about the guitar it's not about the wardrobe it's about Make somebody happy, man, because it's not small. It's big. You're altering their life for an instant. Mm -hmm. Then I take Annie, my secretary, to Crescent Mall. Small story. There's a lovely lady that met me. She applied for us. I don't remember. Huge smile. Lovely person. I said, Annie, I don't want to eat this stuff. I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. I'm going to eat over there. You sit here and eat because I promised her I would help her business. Three times during the day, Annie says, my assistant, what a lovely woman. I, I love her so much. She, she just met her. She said, I want to be this nice. This wow. woman, all she did is serve her a meal with a smile and say, are you happy? Do you like the meal? That's how you change the world. And I believe that. Mm. It changed Annie. It didn't change her day. It changed her being. Mm. So if you don't, really care genuinely because we don't fake anything and that's why we wrote our values down and we mm -hmm. wrote a promise because when we were gigging together we say what night is it saturday night why not is it saturday night why night is it saturday night then we hit the stage because there's nothing worse actually most bands i call them friday saturday bands because they suck monday tuesday wednesday 
Well, I always and say then that, when the people yeah. come in, then they lift. Yeah, yeah. I think so, I, I think there's a sorry, sorry. Just I think that I, you'd probably uh, know better than me, but I think that that's one thing that people that do want to hire bands, the smart ones at least, go to see the band on Monday. They yes. don't wait till Friday to walk into a packed club. Well, they're, they're going to hire time. them for their for their venue. Let's go and see them on Monday and see. We got really, all our gigs on Monday. Yeah, I remember. I know we got, we got, we went to um, to Egypt. It was probably a Monday night, and the guy saw us play right. uh, and invited us there. And uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other gigs as well. So. The thing that musicians don't understand, Mikey, is we are consumers too because we go see bands, right? So we are like, what what day off do you have? All of our bands have either Sunday or Monday off. That's all right. musicians around the world. So you go see the band on the down night because you go see other bands. What musicians need to, what I invite them to understand is that you are a customer. You are an entertainer, but you're also a customer. Mm -hmm. Now, your beer is costing 10 bucks, right? In Asia, it costs 22 for where we play. The right. glass of wine is 38 US dollars. But you go in there, you're paying the same money on Monday as the guy on Saturday. So why do I want half the show? Why do mm -hmm. I want 20% of the show? Yeah. So that's what we kept saying to ourselves every night is Saturday night. This man is paying for the beer, but it was genuine because we don't fake anything. Yeah. We're going to give everything. If there's one person, one person in this club, and he bought one drink, I promise you, we're going to give everything we have. And I promise you, you will leave happy and excited. We will not cheat you. If musicians, mm -hmm. all of us thought like that, there'd be hundreds of live music venues yeah. around because yeah. we got to get, and the values, we keep talking about values, values, values. I mean, you sent me the list. He's here, everybody we work with, George, right? Okay, we love this guy. This one didn't work out. We promoted this person. We let this person go. Why? Mm -hmm. And we would write down why next to them. Mm -hmm. 30 years. We say, okay, lack of professionalism faking his shit, doesn't mm. learn his stuff, master right. thyself, every disaster we've ever had in the company. I mean disaster, where the company loses the club. That's a big deal. That mm -hmm. means seven musicians every four months will never be going to that club again. It wow. was because somebody drank his face off. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. I've got my I beer. like drinking, but you well, so master yeah. thyself. Because yeah. when you're centered, you're a pleasure to work with. Everybody loves to work with you. We have a drink, we have fun, we do our job. So our values came. I knew them intuitively. You knew them because we had a million conversations. Mark mm -hmm. knew them. But how mm -hmm. do you translate that? We are a hundred people now, man. How do I translate? A lot of our musicians never worked with me. Mm -hmm. So then said, let's write them down. And absolutely everything has to come from that. Our values are our soul, our heart. I, we have to live them. Every night, Saturday night is where we tell all the bars that mm -hmm. Monday and Saturday should feel like that because if it doesn't, we're not doing our job. It makes somebody happy. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, very strong, very strong, man. I mean, it, it seem, seem like simple things to just say like that, but there's, there's a lot, a lot that, that, that goes into that. And uh, I mean, we've lived it together and still do to this day, man. So uh, great things to share. You know, if young musicians are 
I was going to ask you about that. Just, you know, if you're going to advise uh, young musicians starting out today that want to do the touring thing, but that pretty much, that was going to be my next question subject to go to. We kind of just uh, covered well, it there, really. right? I if mean, if you want to do this, here's what I say to musicians, to bartenders, to whatever. It's like, why do you want to do this? At the highest level, why? I want to improve my music. Bleh, wrong. I want to travel the world. Bleh, wrong. Why do you want to do this, man? I'm going to meet a lot of girls. Bleh, wrong. <laughs> Seriously, I want to party. Wrong. Mm -hmm. You're coming out here so you can provide an experience to your audience through your guitar. Because if you cannot do that, you're not gonna get the girls, bro. You're not gonna be able to improve your guitar. You're not mm. gonna be able to improve your party because you're gonna be fired. Yeah, and that, that's happening. You have to do your job. Mm -hmm. First mm -hmm. and foremost. Like Alex, you had Alex Alexander, right? Yeah, great guest. Great guest Pity me. This guy joined me, he was like 19 years old. I remember one day I looked up to him and said, Alex, in rehearsal, with this tone, Man, you gotta change your sound. You're driving me insane. Go, go work on your sounds, okay? Okay, G. He walks. He comes back the next day. The next day, beautiful sounds, just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like I will go to war for this guy. Mm -hmm. So understand your job. I mean, if you're a waiter, your job is to serve plates with a smile. How difficult is that? Yeah. Here I am with my family. We're going to spend whatever amount of money. Now I have to, the waitress is in a bad mood. Maybe I'll say something to make her giggle. You want me to make your experience better so I can give <laughs> you my money so I can eat with my family? Go get another gig, girl. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we've seen that so many times, man. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. You're in the wrong, you're in the wrong job. You're, you're missing your... You don't know what, what your job is. But your, job, your job Yeah, exactly, to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, there's a, a lot, a lot covered there, man. There's a couple of other people that want to say hi. Uh, Robinson, Robinson, I think is with us in Spain. In Spain. And Luke, uh, Luke Felon or Feloni. Yeah, Luke, a wonderful singer. He worked with us in W in. Um, oh, in, great. Uh, in Guangzhou, wonderful singer, wonderful person, has the greatest accent. Thank you for joining us, bro. All right, thank you, Luke. Christ, uh, Christopher Murphy or Christoph Murphy. That's uh, Julian's cousin. Welcome, Christoph. I hope you like right. that Tesla. Hey, David is here. David Howard is here, man. He was on the show with Mr. Well. Howard. David's here. Welcome, my brother. I swear to God, when I was watching David Howard, I thought, I was like, did I just go to Chicago? I mean, this is a great thing about what we do. Because when I was listening to David, I'm like, wow. It, it almost felt like I was talking. I don't mean that in a bad way or anything. It's just that he was articulating everything we did together. And now he took all of that. He's working with other musicians and I passed the baton. I hope he learned at least a little bit, not from me, from the experience, yeah. you know, all the stuff he was talking about acting and you know, the guys there's his job is to do this. That's all David, he knows all that stuff more than me. Yeah. But everything else he said, I was, I was looking at him, I was like, wow, this really, this message is really getting across. And if this interview helps one musician, that would be worth it. David Howard is fantastic on stage. Oh and, man, we um, yeah. And the way he expressed everything, I'm like, yeah, that's it, David. And 
it was almost like listening to myself. It was wonderful. I'm glad yeah. we, we, we meet on that page. So welcome. Great to have David on. It was a great interview. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's been some really good guests on the show. It's been wonderful. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Johnson, Bumpy is here. Kyle is a great person, great bass player. Great bass player, one of my favorite bass players. Every time he says hi, I have to say that. I'm playing a lot of bass these days, Kyle. I want to make you proud. You're one of my inspirations. I've almost put the guitar down. It's, 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 it's amazing. I just am addicted to bass. And uh, shout out to Kyle. My lovely wife is here, L.A. Okay, is now, now you have to stop. You want it, you LA want it, joined yeah. us. Elias joined us, I think, in Macau. Where did LA join us? I don't uh, remember. She joined us. Yeah, that's where we met in Macau. No, it was, I remember. I mean, I ended up marrying LA, her. They're, I, they're, I didn't even know I, these answers, George, or I'm in serious hot water with my wife. Yeah, so, so, Macau. yeah, Mike, you just stop yes. right there before you get in trouble. You go. So, LA was to me was we used to call the michael jordan i've never because first of all i want to apologize ahead of time i'm gonna forget some people but there's a few people i have to mention but there's no way i'm going to be able to mention everybody that's been so instrumental like chris conway olivia lenoir david perot steve radcliffe yeah. jonas mm -hmm. course these people without them i wouldn't be here i have to get that out right away they've mm -hmm. been uh, Thomas Connolly, they've been amazing. Sharon Bates, these are people that played a big mm -hmm. thing. So let me get that out there. But LA was the most consistent musician I've ever worked with. I have never had to motivate Leslie Ann. Never. She never had a bad set. She takes the microphone and, oh, Lord have mercy, she's on. Yeah. That was so wonderful about Scarlett is that Okay, guys, it's time to hit on stage. And we were all like super focused. And LA was the epitome. She had the six app. She danced, she sang, mm -hmm. and she was free with her body. I would take her, we would dance together, and I would touch her, and she would touch me before you were dating her. Hey, it's my wife there. Be careful. And even <laughs> after you were dating her, Mikey, I would take her in my hands and we'd do yeah. all these sensual things just to tease you because I knew you were yes. dating her and yes. you didn't tell me just to piss you off. I yes, thank you, for that. But, thank you for that. Thank you for that. She yes. was amazing. I love yeah. Leslie Ann to death. Yes. yes, well, thank you for that. And I couldn't Colette agree more. Easy was amazing on stage. Inga Kasi, Inga the singer. Inga, my was God, on man. Show. Forget Very about powerful. it. Yeah. To me, Inga is the most raw singer I've ever had. You give her a microphone. If you want to talk about don't fake anything, that's Inga. Yeah. Like really. And I had, I had Colette in LA at the same time. Yeah, that was Two a great powerhouses. Yeah, and they had this tension between us because I don't know it's a thing, and yes. all of that tension came out on stage. I would push a girl away, and this one would come to dance with me, and then I push her away. We made a show out of it. It, it was, was great. incredible. That was Greg, a Greg LaSalle. I have to mention Greg, JD, Jay, Alex, all the people that you know that, that did the whole yeah the journey Scarlet with band. me, man. So the Scarlet. Band. Yes. Yeah, man. A, a yeah. lot. I hope I don't miss anybody. Blue. Oh, Blue. Blue. Wow. Also, one of my favorite Blue. bass players. There's a Absolutely. there's a guy who is who's into his tone. Excuse me, in such a big way. And, and what 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 a pleasure. Beautiful. What a pleasure, man, Beautiful. to play with Blue. Blue, yeah. Greg, Mikey, Mark Lajoie. Everyone oh, knows man. him now. Everybody knows him as 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 you know part of the company interviewing people. But on drums, man, oh, he man. killed it. He yes. killed it every night. I was like, woohoo, let's go. 
you know, yes, he absolutely. was riding that train. Man, you and Mikey were one of the best guitar players I've ever played. It's funky as hell. Now you're teaching my son how to play. Yes, so, wonderful. Funky man. as hell. Yes. Never did you fake a note. Never did you not focus. I was so blessed with all my bands. Alex, Wait. Cameron, Cameron on keys. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cameron on keyboards and so many great musicians. I learned a lot from Roger Corey, may he rest in peace. Yeah, he, absolutely. Danny Blanco and Roger Corey influenced my fronting so much because yeah. Roger didn't have a great voice, but he was a great drummer as well. Yeah. Then was. I said, okay, I don't have a great voice, but man, he had the house in his hand. So I tried to get that when I stepped up on He knew how so, to do it, man. Yeah, I had yeah. to get that out there, man, because if I no, forget I... anybody, please forgive me. Yes, there's so much, a lot of ground to cover there, man. Uh, Terrence is here also. Terrence, Terrence Thomas was our the Terrence first Terrence Thomas, the first, he the, was pioneer. The, pioneer. the pioneer. And he can sing his ass off. Terrence has the thing, man. Terrence, who has the stage, it's showtime. Yeah, no, he really does. You he know, really does. Some people understand. He is the stage. He gets it's it. Gets it. He gets no, no, it. I had, he started here with me, and uh, I didn't have to give him much direction as far as the audience. He got it right away. I mean, he just he knew what to do, and he had the voice that he had. He knew he knew how to sing to the people and and to get oh, them for sure. Bring them in and and entertain them. Uh, yeah, great, great, great singer, man. I'm glad he's on here too. Okay, well, a few a few other things. Uh, I mean, uh, we've covered a lot here, man. A lot with the musicians and uh, the, the the company. Got a little off where I was going, but really discussed the the, the important important points. Uh, how the company came came into existence. Uh, what's important for musicians to think about? Younger musicians. Uh, Musicians do get fired, and uh, I think you touched on that also. I mean, unfortunately, they, they just, uh, they, you know, we say master thyself. <laughs> they just forget uh, why they're there in the first place and kind of uh, go to extremes sometimes, right? So let me go one, two, three. The company got started, honestly. It's either inspiration or desperation. In my case, it was desperation. Mm. I have a young child. Julian was born, and I'm traveling, traveling, traveling. And you're pushing in years. Also, you have to understand sometimes you push in years, and, you know, I was – fit i had hair you know, <laughs> jumping up and down and you know, it doesn't work so you have to kind of go with that pivot with that as well and mm -hmm. um I, and I, I what am i gonna do move a child every four months from country to country to country to country and like where is this gonna go and yeah. i was gonna start a music school in canada and then the thought you know cross around maybe i open a, a tim hortons which is a donut store long story short i had had the sound system business i did all the sound for the lebanese superstars in canada i did mm -hmm. sound engineering and i was teaching and i left all these businesses like i built for years it took me five years to build the teaching business i dropped it and then i'm sitting with the um, chris conway god bless his heart this is his glass chris and um i'm like i don't want to go back to canada and the person that can like basically helping reach my dream is sitting right across the street where I'm with an Italian restaurant in Bangkok. And I had seen um, Cirque du Soleil in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, when the Cirque is going, just one of those moments and it's an amazing show, but in my head, I'm going, like I almost didn't notice the show. And I said, if they cannot run eight Cirque at that level, I can run eight bands. Mm -hmm. So the next day I called Chris, I said, I have this idea. 
but I don't want to be an agent. An agent. I am allergic to the term. I hate the word agent. I will never be an agent. Where in, in essence, you hire a band, you do whatever you do. When you hold on, I think I think this call call this call ended. Wait a minute, George. I think this call ended. So start a new meeting. Add me. Okay, hold on a second. I gotta add Omar. Uh, hold on. I don't think we're broadcasting now. Wait a minute, George. Uh, I guess because we, maybe we hit a, hang on, Omar, add him. Okay, he's been invited. We're still on? Julian no. says we're still on. Oh, are we? He said you yeah, have Julian, to Julian, hit... you see us? Oh, he said we're still on. In Facebook, we're still good? Hmm? Julian, we're on? Okay, we're still done. We're still on okay. Facebook. Okay, okay, Julian, let us let me know if we go off air. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, sorry about the technical difficulties. Okay. Eh? No. Okay, thank you, Julian. We're still good? Um, yeah, we're still, apparently. Okay. So, so it came about from that, and then, you know, he said, who's going to be in the band? I said, I have no idea what's the name of the band. I said, I have no clue. But basically, he said, okay, George, I, I've been working with you. He trusted me. Thank God for that. And then so... He gave me the, 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 the break, and then Olivier Lenoir helped me in Taiwan. And July 14th, which is why this is our anniversary, 2008, Mikey was with Shades in Singapore. Right, we launched here. Mark, with, Mark was with the Express in Express Taipei, in Taipei, with La Vance, which was a devastating singer. Mm -hmm. You had an amazing band with Nadia, Nate in LA. Yeah. That was like, yeah, yeah, this was... day were probably one of the best bands ever. Yeah. There's a video of that on YouTube. And mm -hmm. then um, from there on, I just went on my whiteboard because you can see I have whiteboards or wherever I work. And I put six bands in one year. And yeah. just, okay. And that's, I just went to work. But I was still on stage, man. It was a lot. There's a lot going on there. That's right. That's very, right. very, very stressful. But we got six bands in 14 months. So not bad. Yeah. And now we're But at, I didn't want to uh, be an agent. I wanted to hire artists, mm -hmm. assemble them. I wanted to create something that we can be proud of, that we can say, okay, we can take the weak links out, et cetera. So we're moving on because honestly, there's just too many stories. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I think you're going to have to come back on and do another, another show uh, later on in the year as we move back Next into year, uh, as we, well, as we well, beat I'm COVID. Thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking as we're moving back into uh, working again, which I know is starting to happen uh, in China and, uh, I think the other countries hopefully will follow suit pretty soon. And I'd love to have you come back on when everything starts to take off again, George. And we can... It would be uh, my pleasure. Get my, 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 aim, my aim, honestly, now I'm, reach, I'm 55 years old. I'm not a kid anymore. Mm -hmm. My aim is if, if, if anything I'm saying contributes to a young musician to do the right thing so he can enjoy the thing he loves. Musicians love to play, but there's a beyond notes that come with that. Of course. That's what this show is about. Yeah. Learning your instrument will never get you a gig. That's just the mechanics. Mm. It's the beyond the notes that keep you working for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So my aim is that at this age is that if I can, if it is at all helpful for a young musician or a pro to take a nugget here and there, and apply it to, so they can enjoy live music because 
live music is never gonna happen unless live musicians do the right thing and employers get encouraged. It's super expensive to open a live bar. I did it, I know. Mm -hmm. I did it in Singapore, as you know. Super yeah. expensive. If you don't take the employer into, when you put your master plan together, there's three elements you have to keep in mind. There's four. You, you want to be happy and play your music. Understandable. So take care of that. What is it you want? Two, someone has to give you money and a place to play in. You have to bring them into your plan. Because if they don't meet their objectives, you're not going to have the gig. Because first, you want to play. Let's take care of you first. Mm. Do the right thing. You have to take care of the second thing with someone has to employ you. Right? And the third thing is that um, the audience. Because if you, don't if you don't take care of the audience, the employer is going to get another band or shut down. Mm -hmm. You know? So take care of you. Take care of the employer. Take care of the audience. I think it's three things. I mean, it's calculated that. Because yeah. it is important that you're happy. But if you want to play jazz and if you want to play blues, don't come do this gig. Mm -hmm. Like, this gig is a party gig. That's yeah. what it is. And yeah. if you want to do a party gig, and you have to know what is the attire, the atmosphere that you should bring to the gig. So if yes, I can indeed. help musicians with that, understand the criteria, then there will be more bars that hire musicians. Yeah. It's up to us, man, because the, the, the bar owners are going to say, okay, you know what? Musicians are too expensive. They're a pain in the neck. Get me a DJ. And if the DJ doesn't work, get me a dancer. Whatever. The guy has to make money and feed his family. But if mm -hmm. you don't think of him and in the audience and all you think is of you, it's not going to work well. Yeah, it's never going to work. Yeah, and we've so seen it. So think of you. And I mean, we have guys joining us. Hey, man, I hate this shit. I don't want to play the traps. I want to play jazz. I want to play blues. I want to be a rapper. I respect okay. that. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely. Man. Remember that, that scene in, in the Blues Brothers where they're getting tomatoes on them because they're in a country bar playing R&B? Yeah. Well, that's what you get. You're going to get a bunch of tomatoes and eggs on your face. But then, they start, but then they start playing country songs, right? They start playing country songs. They switch. They, they adjusted. But, they adjusted. But, they adapted. So, so if, if at this point in my life, which is very meaningful to me, if I can... If I can share my experience like we are now, I'm so happy this mm. interview is taking place with our guys first and then bring it to the world because Geek for Life, 33 years we've done it at a yeah. massive scale, yeah. four, 500, 600 musicians. I have the data and I can tell you if you do this, you'll be fired. If you do this, you'll end up in the hospital. If you do this, you'll be dead because we had a couple of those too. Yeah. And if you do this, you will gig for life. That's my aim from this interview and in general. It's fantastic. It's fantastic, George, really, man. I mean, I think, and you know, it's, that's, we started working together. It's yeah, it's 33 years until the virus came up in March. I have not gone without a gig ever, unless I wanted to be off stage. Yeah. Ever. I've not, I've not gone without a gig. And before I go, also, yes. it's a must-do. Kudos to Marc Lajoie because mm -hmm. he stayed up all those nights. He went out through the stress. He had to handle this personality day in and yes. day out. Yes. And, and uh, I love you, Mark. 
we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for, Absolutely, for your contribution yeah. as well. So I cannot forget one of the main, main, main people in the building of the company. And Emily, yeah, who worked for free for years and years and years. So kudos to you. Because right. I'm sorry if I'm taking some moments about Alive, because this is about Alive Productions anniversary. Next time we will talk more shop, but these are the people that make this company what it is. Okay. So okay. I cannot exactly. go on with that. Yeah, that's a, I'm glad you mentioned Mark, of course. And man. if I forgot you, my sincere apology, yes. there's no way I can remember everybody. Yes, yes. And working alongside your wife when we came to Hong Kong was, uh, Thrilling. Uh, Julia was amazing, man, because yeah, she was Julia, the whole, you want to talk about the whole package. She learned her shit. She danced. Talk about a social butterfly. Yeah. She would walk around the club. She'd be kissing everybody. She knew everybody's name. She knew their dog's name. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was I mean uh, let me, let, here's the thing. We go to Bangkok, man. This is, excuse me, 10 years later. She walks in the hotel. All the taxi drivers run to her. Julie, Julie, Julie. She has that impact on the taxi driver. I mean, you know her, man. In oh, the malls. Wonderful. So talk about making somebody happy. I yeah. remember Julie were walking in Sheraton. Said, George, give me a second. She doesn't call me George. She calls me George. She goes into the store, brings a box of Heineken 24. And you know that Sheraton is just taxis. And she did that in Bangkok. I don't want. She puts it right there and says, have fun, boys. And here in Vietnam, same thing. They love her, man. They protect her. They like, as soon as she comes out, they sit there, they take care of her, wherever she wants to go. Why? Make somebody happy. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. not just on stage, man. You can make yeah. somebody, taxi driver, someone who helps you clean, someone who opens the door. What a wonderful way to live. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I'm glad we I'm glad we we touched on that as well, and 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 uh, Julie. Before you go, I always ask. Uh, I knew that was coming. Hey, come on, come on! You have to tell me now. You're you're Tom Hanks. Come on, you're on the island with Wilson, and then out of the sky falls a a device. Three oh, artists. I knew you were gonna ask me that. I have to. I, said, I can't let you off the hook. Here's what I'm gonna do to you because I'm gonna let you off the hook. Now, we've been best friends for 33 years. We were kids when we started together. Yeah. What do you think that the artists are? Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. You want to ask me? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, uh, Sade. Uh, Bingo. Fuck. I got to get this. I got to get this, man. Oh. Fuck, there's a lot. Tower of Power? Yes, but if I was stuck, I mean, I'd go there. I, okay. I love Tower of Power. But okay. where did it all start for well, me? Well, it's got to like, be. I mean, James Brown has to be there. There you go. Two, Mike. Two. James Brown, Sade. Perfect. Maybe an Arabic singer. Maybe, uh, what's her oh. name? The Ara Okay, I was going to go with that lady, the very Beirut, famous Beirut. one. Beirut. No? Yeah. Okay, I got two. I got two so far. Hang on, man. Uh, Perfect. Oh, maybe some, it's got to be some ECM. It's got to be, uh, did that album, Jack DeJanette or Keith Jarrett? Keith Jarrett. Keith Jarrett. All right. You hey. nailed all three. I swear, Mikey, those are the three. Wow. I'm not quite proud James of myself. James Brown, Sharday, <laughs> Keith Jarrett, if I'm stuck. That's great so, choices. 
Great choice. Well, you know me, bro. You know me. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming <coughs> on and thank you for imparting all this knowledge and experience, man, with everybody. <coughs> and uh, I'm sure that uh, I hope people got something out of this. And I'd love to do a follow up. There's just so much to cover, man. There's so much to cover. We, I think we've almost, we're close, closing in on two hours. So you broke the record wow. also for the longest show. <laughs> I, I hope I, so. It's, it's your show. Go Rogan here, wanna, man. Before, one more hour. Go, before I go, I want to thank you, Mike, for standing by my side for 33 years. And I'm a very demanding person. And, uh, you saw all my ups and my downs on a personal level and on a professional level. You, Mark Lejoie and Chris Conway uh, are, are my best friends and I wanna, you've been amazing and I appreciate your friendship very much. And I need to mention my brother Joseph who came here four years ago mm. and helped us so much because we're musicians. He brought sanity to the system for four years. And he really, to this day, we're using a lot of the system he does. So it would not be fair without mentioning such a big part of the company as well. My brother, That's Joseph, me. I love you. Thank you for everything. Mikey, thank you for inviting me. Even though thank it's a live production show, for... I am honored to, to be with you. And everybody in the live productions, I love you. Make somebody happy. Let's go make some music and keep live music alive. Everyone who's been with us that left on good terms, and on not so good terms, I love you too. For those who left on good terms, I wish you the best of luck. For those that didn't work out so well, I sincerely wish you nothing but happiness. Everybody, it's been an experience beyond all my dreams. I love this company. I love live music. I love what we stand for. And let's march forward. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. George, thanks once again. Thank you very much, man. And uh, I'll see you for part two. Absolutely. Yes, we sir. Thank you very All much. Right. Thanks, everyone, Thank for you. joining us on this special uh, edition. And uh, we'll see you next week on Beyond Notes. Thanks, everybody. Take care. And thanks to Omar for helping out. Always. Thank you, Omar. Thank you, guys.